Hey there, and welcome to episode 138 of the Yours Truly podcast. Welcome if this is your first time tuning in with us. If it is not your first time, thank you for coming back. As I am sitting down to record the intro for today's guest episode, it is right before the 4th of July. I know when this episode airs, the holiday weekend will be long gone and behind us, but I hope you are having a great summer so far. It's really hard to believe that we are already halfway through summer. Seriously, I, I saw a TikTok the other day, you know, as you do, as you're scrolling TikTok, you sometimes find those videos that really hit hard. But this video was talking about in five to six months from now, we will be able to say that 2020 was two years ago. Like, take a moment and let that sink in. Doesn't that just feel weird to say? But uh, anyways, <laughs> don't know why I'm bringing this up. All this to say, hope you're having a good summer. It's crazy to believe the year goes by so fast. But uh, we are here on episode 138 to talk to a very special guest. Her name is Kara Elise Campbell, and I'm really looking forward to sharing more about her with you here in a couple of moments. But before I introduce her and share the conversation that I had with her, we have to kick things off like we usually do with our Yours Truly Goal Slayer featured post of the week. So this is a time in the intro segment of every podcast where I share a post that has been shared or posted in our free private Facebook community. So if this idea of a Facebook community is new to you, if you are new tuning into the episode, I will tell you more about that and how you can join here in a couple of moments. But the post reads, today marks one year of intuitive eating. Last year on June 26th, I turned 23 and I realized that I have been dieting and trying to desperately change myself for 10 years. So the day after I told myself that enough is enough. I was tired of constantly hating myself for the size of my body and it has been a roller coaster of a year, but I am very happy that I have stuck with it. So a big shout out and a congratulations, I think is in order for this member of our community for not only sharing this celebratory post with us, but for also celebrating your one year anniversary, for lack of a better term, of working to heal your relationship with food and be an intuitive eater. So if you would like to come and hang out with us in this community, it is filled really with individuals who are wanting to learn more about intuitive eating. Everyone here is so incredibly supportive. There have been a lot of posts in our community recently about re-entering the world post-pandemic and some of the discomforts and anxieties that come along with that and I have been so beyond impressed at the response, at the community, at the level of really kindness and compassion that everyone shows to one another in this community. So if you're looking for a, a little spot on the internet that is safe if you're struggling with disordered eating or dieting behaviors and you want to get away from that if you're looking for a spot where you're going to feel supported and uplifted we do a really great job at least i think we try to do a great job of having this community be a really encouraging space my long-winded way of saying we'd love to have you 
The best way you can do that if you're not already hanging out with us is by going to my website. So that is clairetuning.com slash community. Again, clairetuning.com slash community. That page is an application that you can fill out. It's pretty brief, but it will help you learn more about the community. My team and I can get to know about you and we will accept you into the group as soon as we can after you submit that application. But we hope to see you there very soon. And without further ado, I am going to share a little bit more about Kara Elise Campbell, my guest for today's episode. I'm going to give you a little sneak peek of what we talk about during this conversation, and then I'll turn the mic over to her. So her bio, I'm reading this straight from what she sent me because I always like to introduce my guests in a way that feels appropriate to them. But her bio reads... Kara Elise is a dating and embodiment coach based in Nashville. She empowers women to come back home to their body and to get clear on what they want so they can create a space to invite in healthy relationships. As a former celebrity chef, Kara is a big believer that food is a modality to help us connect to our bodies, and when we connect to our bodies, we can unlock our lives. Kara works with women who are frustrated with feeling alone, insecure, and disconnected from their lives and are seeking a community of like-minded women to connect with and gain clarity on the relationships that they have with themselves, their bodies, and others. By creating safe spaces and helping women reframe their sense of self, Kara has helped hundreds of women feel connected to and at home in their bodies and in their lives. She has worked with clients from all over the world to remind women what it truly means to live a nourishing life. To give you a little sneak peek of what Kara and I talk about, we uh, talk about a lot of things, but to sum it up, we go over what she means when she says that food is a way for us to come back home to our bodies. And I ask her to share some ideas on how you can start to do that, if that seems something that would be valuable for you. We also spend some time talking about how dieting and disordered eating can really disrupt your relationship with food in your body. And we discuss some tools to help you reawaken what she calls your intuitive voice within. So I hope you will enjoy this conversation. And without further ado, let's go talk to Kara. Hi, Kara. Welcome to the Yours Truly podcast. How are you today? I'm so good. How are you? I'm doing well. And um, we're not going to waste any time in hopping into this or that. So are you ready for my first this or that question? I am so ready for this. <laughs> okay. Hard shell tacos or soft shell tacos? Soft shell all the way. I love a good flour tortilla, especially when it's homemade. Mm-hmm. Me too. And um, something about like the structural integrity of a hard shell taco just doesn't yeah. doesn't hold up. I, you end up eating like a taco salad at the end of it and Agreed. trying to eat like bits of the broken shell is like a to chip. Would, up. Yeah. yeah, I would much rather just have something that's going to stay together <laughs> at least at least mostly stay together. <laughs> Absolutely. That first bite into the crunchy taco and it falls apart just doesn't work for me. 
Yeah. It's a real buzzkill to a a whole dinner vibe. Uh, Next one. I think when I was coming up with these questions, I had Mexican food on the mind, but um, do you prefer if you enjoy margaritas? If you don't, you can just, you know, insert drink of choice here, but do you prefer it blended like a frozen one or on the Mm. rocks? Oh girl, margaritas are my love language. So you (laughs) thought of these questions intuitively and it seems like you knew me already. I love it. (laughs) Yep. I am a margarita on the rocks with salt kind of girl, a lot of salt. You and I would get along well. I am the same. I am. I love, yeah. I love getting a good lick of salt and then taking a nice, and I don't know. I'm just not a fan of like the whole blended frozen. It reminds me too much of a Slurpee. If you're familiar with the the good old Slurpee. Slurpee. (laughs) Yes, I do. You're right. It is kind of like having a Slurpee or like a smoothie. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want this to taste like a smoothie. I want it to taste like a cocktail. Yeah. I'm with you there. So team on the rocks, team on the rocks. <laughs> Next one, beach or mountains? Oh, this one is like the forever hard question, isn't it? Because I feel like my soul needs both of those places in different seasons of time, mm-hmm. but I grew up on the water. Um, and water is where I feel the most alive. So I'm going to go with beach. Okay. I, um, I'm a little bit of the inverse. I grew up, um, Chase as well. My cousin who connected us, we grew up in the mountains, Southwestern Virginia. And I'm finding it very funny because literally four days ago from when we were recording this episode, I just moved to the beach. So we're a little bit of flip-flop and I'm yeah, I'm getting a chance to see what living near the ocean is like. I like it so yes. far, but it's only been four days. <laughs> what beach What beach are you at? Um, it's on the coast of Virginia. So okay. um, East Coast Beach. I'm sure it's different because you grew up in- I grew up in Michigan. In, oh. No, I grew up in Michigan. So a uh, 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 freshwater beach on Lake Michigan. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I've never been. I'm sure it's beautiful though. Gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous. Uh, okay. Two more. So if you are going to be traveling, would you prefer to do so by car or by plane? Ooh, oh, again, such a hard one because some of my most favorite travels have been in a car and road tripping around the country. My husband and I just road tripped across the country twice already this year. Um, but England and London, London is my favorite city in the world. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go with plane because I, I really am missing being abroad. I'm missing being in Europe. I'm missing just getting on that long flight, preparing, and then ending up in another country. Well, unfortunately you, you can't drive there. So I guess you had to choose plane. Had to choose <laughs> Those plane. Those are your favorite places. And final one, uh, Hulu or Netflix? Oh my gosh. Again, these are really hard, Claire. You're just like <laughs> hitting me with hardballs. Um, I'm going to go with Netflix. Yeah. I love Hulu. Uh, it's such a close call, but Netflix, because my husband and I have recently just, uh, dove into some shows that we really love. And I feel like Netflix consistently puts out good content. They do. They do. I have been digging Hulu recently because they have a lot of seasons of survivor. Yes. (laughs) On there. That Uh, is the benefit of Hulu. Yeah. Netflix only has like one, two or three seasons, something like that. But uh, I do agree with you that the Netflix original shows, I think they just, they have more than Hulu original shows. Yeah. Yeah. They're bumping out like a lot of new original content, which is just great. Especially in the times of COVID when we have had more time to watch TV. (laughs) 
Most definitely. I know I have for sure. Yeah. Um, well, now that we have played our fun little game and we kind of know uh, at least a few more fun things about you than we yeah. did five or 10 minutes ago, I would love for you to just kind of take a couple of moments, however long you need. You could take 30 seconds to answer. You could take 30 minutes. The floor is yours, <laughs> but just a little bit more about yourself and what it is that you do and kind of also what drew you to the work that you currently do. Yeah, absolutely. I will try not to take 30 minutes. Sometimes I'm long-winded, but I'll try to be uh, precise in, in what I say. So um, my name is Kara Elise Campbell, and I am an embodiment coach. And so what I do is I really teach women how to use food as a tool to come back home to their bodies. And, and by coming back home to, to your body, what happens is you create space for healthy relationships and you get clarity on the things that you really want to pursue in life, right? So a lot of my work is really about teaching women how to come home to themselves and reawaken that, that deep intuition that's inside of all of us. And what I find is that so many of us have been taught from day one to not trust ourselves. We've been taught to follow diets, to follow someone else's expertise on what, what or how we should be living, right? And, and so it's a lot of work to come back to this internal compass and this internal guide that exists within each, each of us. And it really is a reawakening, right? Like it's a reawakening of this beautiful intuition that we all have. And so food happens to be a really beautiful modality that I get to work with, with women because uh, when we don't trust ourselves with food, how we do one thing is how we do everything else. So if we don't trust ourselves with food, it's really interesting how we end up not trusting ourselves in other areas of life. So if we can, if we can learn intuition with food, if we can learn how to listen to ourselves and trust our bodies, then we start to practice that in the rest of our daily life. So that's what I do and why I do it. Honestly, Claire, I lived most of my life very disconnected from my life without knowing I was disconnected. And I thought it was normal to be in a unhealthy relationship with food, I thought it was normal to dislike my body. I thought it was normal to be critical of myself all the time. And I really thought it was normal to not trust myself. And I had a really uh, massive life-changing experience a few years ago where everything shifted for me. And I, I began this healing journey back towards my body. And when I did that, my whole life changed. My relationships changed, my work changed, and everything for me really shifted. So now I see the power in it. And I'm like, when... I can help you shift your thinking around your body. It's going to change your whole life. So I get really passionate about helping women transform their lives by transforming their relationship with food and body. Your eyes light up when you talk. I know, I know everyone who's excited right now cannot see, but I think when you were speaking, your eyes grew in size in like the best way possible, like four times. Mm -hmm. um, I, I could tell you're really passionate about it and, and connected to the work that you do. And I find it really interesting that you said when you were sharing a little bit about your story that you thought it was normal mm. to not trust yourself around food or to have a strong dislike for your body or to feel disconnected in that way. And I would argue that um, we are often taught that that is normal, right? Yeah. Like yeah. That is so normalized in the culture that we live in that it's unsurprising to me to learn that just for so long, you just kind of thought that was default mode. And that's mm -hmm. just, you know, kind of the way things were, but something that really stood out to me is you were sharing, and this is um, a phrase that you used not only a couple of times when you were speaking, but you were also using it in some of our email correspondence when we were mm -hmm. talking about, you know, what are we going to cover in the podcast and what it is that you do? Uh, but you bring up this idea of using food as a way to come 
back to the body or come home to our bodies. I don't want to mince your words, but it's something along those lines. And I'm willing to bet that some of our listeners are probably hearing that. And it's also grabbing their attention or they're maybe very intrigued, but I'm wondering if some of them are like, okay, well, what does that actually look like in my daily life? So this might be a more complicated question than I'm leading on, but could you maybe tell us a little bit more about what that concept of coming home to the body through food, what that actually looks like in someone's day-to-day life. And I'm sure it, you know, varies based on the individual, but kind of in general. Yeah. Such a good question. And you're so right. I think sometimes we, we throw phrases around, right? Like listen to the body or come back home to the body. And, and it's so important and helpful to break those concepts down. So I'm going to give you a macro and then I'm going to bring us into a micro. So macro level coming home to the body, how I like to think of coming home to the body is really just that, like come home, right? Like come home. What does home feel like? Home feels safe. Home feels good. Home feels comfortable. Home feels, um, like the place where you can just be yourself. Right. And, 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 and again, that's assuming that we have a safe home, mm-hmm. but, but that is what I, that is what I'm referencing when I'm saying come home. And it's this sense of being in the body and fully being with the body without trying to uh, change the body from what it already is. Right. So many of us live with this idea that if I lost 10 pounds, then I would fill in the blank. Right. I would be happier. I would find my soulmate, whatever it might be. So what that does is that takes us out of the body and puts us into the mind and into the future. So we're not actually being with the body when we're thinking, if I change my body then, right? So coming back home to the body is, is almost in a way a full acceptance and love of the body as it is now. Again, I like to, I, I say this all the time to my clients, just because you love something doesn't mean that it's not going to change, right? So loving the body, accepting the body does not mean that you can't lose weight or you can't work out or you can't do things that change the body, but it's more coming from the perspective of, I love this thing so much. And I'm, I'm going to cherish this, this vehicle that I'm in because it's the thing you're going to be in for the rest of your life. So you might as well love it and make it good. Right? So that's the macro level of what it looks like to come back home to the body, to really choose to accept the here and now as it is and love it the micro level of coming home to the body, some practical ways is really learning to listen to the body. So how I like to describe um, kind of, kind of this work is that we're in a, we're in relationship all the time. You're in a relationship with your friends, your parents, your husband, your spouse, whatever it might be, you're in a relationship in the same way you're in a relationship with your body. And so there needs to be communication and there needs to be trust. Those are like foundational tools when it comes to any form of relationship, right? So if I am in a relationship with my body and I'm constantly being critical of my body, constantly being mean to my body, constantly telling my body how much I don't like it, how can we expect this relationship to be good? If that's the that's the language that we're using with the body. So one practical way is literally analyzing and looking at the language you use towards the body, mm-hmm. changing the language. And, and this means body, I appreciate you body. Thank you for digesting all of my food today after lunch body. Thank you for whatever it might be finding a language to really appreciate and thank the body. And then in terms of listening to the body, another practical daily tool is if, you know, if you and I Claire are in a conversation and I'm just jumping over everything you say and interrupting you, I'm not listening to you, right? 
if I say, tell me about your day and I just hold the space for you to tell me what's going on with you, then I'm listening. So with the body, it's the exact same thing. We have to learn how to listen. Sometimes because we've been so taught not to listen to the body, it's almost like when you're on a phone call with a girlfriend and the, the connection is so bad and you have to like strain your ear to listen, right? Like you have to like lean in really hard. Sometimes in the beginning, that's what it's like with the body because we're, we're tuned out to the signals. So what I do on a, in a practical level is I, especially in the beginning stages of healing my relationship with my body, I would touch my stomach and I would be like, body, what feels really nourishing to eat today? What would make you feel good? And allowing the body to respond. And, uh, you know, body, how would you like to move today? What kind of movement would feel good for you? And so then we're shifting again, um, we're shifting our perspective to how, how, how do we want to act? How do we want to show up for the body as opposed to how should I show up for the body? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I, um, I love all the analogies that you just gave, right. Uh, talking to the friend and the strained connection and to this whole idea of, um, viewing us as being in relationship with mm. our bodies, just as we are in relationship with other human beings. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, Brie Campos on Instagram. She goes by body image with Brie. Um, she's a good friend and a mentor of mine talking all about body image. I had her on a previous episode of the podcast, but something she talks a lot about as well, which is why I want to give her due credit, not my idea, but it's very similar to this idea of being in relationship with the body. I mean, she talks about if the only time you are addressing a conversation with your body is when you're uncomfortable, when you don't like it, right? It's kind of like if we think of um, only having conversations with a friend that are like mean and uncomfortable and nasty, like of course, that's going to be a relationship that doesn't feel comfortable, doesn't feel safe. Yeah. We don't want to revisit it. So, you know, I, I love um, how you offered this macro and micro perspective, because I was really seeing in that micro perspective, some of the tools that you were offering is being some opportunities to kind of sit in a different type of relationship with the body where it's like mm -hmm. holding space for an interaction that might feel a little bit more neutral, or it might feel more welcoming rather than immediately jumping into um, harmful self-talk or, you know, speaking down on ourselves. And two, I don't know if you find this in the work that you do, but as you were describing kind of that macro perspective and you were throwing out words like, you know, body love and caring for your body. Um, I have definitely heard people share that in the beginning of this work, those terms can feel really inaccessible. Like, Absolutely. oh my gosh, how can you expect me to love my body if I've spent so long being in a hateful relationship. But I was seeing a lot in those smaller examples you were offering is just these small opportunities to mm. be rebuilding and maybe take a couple of steps towards like respect or even neutrality before we feel like, you know, I have to be at this point where I just love all parts of me. Like, do you yeah. see that in your work, kind of the progression of needing to take those smaller steps before fully going into like love territory, if that makes yeah, sense? Absolutely. I love the way you broke that down, Claire. And I think it's so helpful. I think too, some, something that <clears throat> might be helpful is to uh, reframe sometimes what we think of as love. 
because sometimes we think of as love is like, oh my gosh, I'm so obsessed and this is the best thing ever, right? I think about like when I fell in love with my husband, it was it was like giddy butterflies, right? And that's one form of love. Another form of love comes uh, in, in marriage 10 years down the road when it feels rough and complicated, right? And love actually looks like showing up and committing and staying in. So I think with the body, I love the word neutrality because I think that's a great way to to, to guide clients into this space of neutrality. I also think we can reframe this concept of love and say, actually, it is really possible. You don't have to feel all kinds of giddy butterflies and totally accept and be obsessed with your body right now, but you can love it in action and love it in action means committing to saying like, Hey, can I listen to you today? Right? So again, reframing this idea of love and saying, it doesn't have to be all butterflies and, and giddy feelings towards your body to actively love it. I love that reframe. Um, and one thing that uh, you kind of hinted at a little bit earlier, but I would love to go a little bit deeper there, but you were kind of talking about how for so long, we are often tr- uh, taught rather to not trust the body or to turn to things like dieting or maybe disordered eating patterns as a way of quote unquote, fixing the relationship with the body. So, you know, since food is a really big um, part of the work that you do with clients and in your groups. Do you feel, and this is a a loaded question because I have a, I have a feeling of what your answer might be, but do you feel that things like chronic dieting or disordered eating serve to disrupt one's relationship with their body? And if so, how does that disrupt? Because I think, you know, some people on the surface, they might view dieting is like kind of benign, like, Oh, I'm just going to do this thing. It's just going to be for a couple of weeks and it'll be fine afterwards. Right. But I think many individuals realize, you know, speaking from experience and the, the people who I work with, we realize that it oftentimes has much more of a harmful impact. So I'd love to hear your thoughts there on how kind of the disruption comes into play. Yeah. That's so good. Well, the first thought that came to my mind as you were asking the question is who taught us that we needed to change our bodies, right? Like, where did that come from? Where did this idea that your body is something to be fixed ever develop from? And there's a lot of reasons that we've adopted that culturally that's been taught to us. I grew up in purity culture that was uh, imposed on me from a very young age that my body was something to be fixed or to control, be controlled. So I think we have to evaluate when we ask this question, like, where did that messaging come from? Who, who taught us that our body was bad or that our body was something to need that needed to be fixed. Right. So that's, that's, uh, kind of my starting point when we look at things like, um, chronic dieting and, and, uh, disordered eating and, and how it breaks the relationship with the body. I, I like to ask that question, like, where did that come from? And kind of go digging there. Right. The second part for me is that if we look at chronic dieting or disordered eating, what it is, is it's, it's disordered, right? It's disordered relationship and dieting. Again, I I'm, I'm pretty anti-diet in all, all capacities. I know that sometimes diets work for people because it can be informative and it can be information that helps them figure out what is healthy for their body. But I'm, when I'm referencing this, I'm talking about chronic dieting. So that form of acting or that acting with food in, in that set in that sort of way, what it does is it, uh, takes us out of our body and into our minds. Mm -hmm. So that's the disruption right there is that a diet tells you in your mind 
what is good for you or what is bad for you. Diets also really encourage language around food like good or bad, right? So we start seeing things as this is good or this is bad. And then I'm now attaching an emotion to the thing that I'm eating. I ate the cookie that was bad, right? Or I ate the salad that was good. And we start using mental language around food instead of really understanding how the body feels when we eat something. So I'm sure this is, I know this is what you do. You work with women and and intuitive eating all the time, but when we are able to discern what makes the body feel good and act on that, then we're listening to the intuitive voice of the body. If we are bumping up to the mind of, Oh, I shouldn't have that because it has too many calories. Then we are operating out of our mind and not actually listening to the body. Mm -hmm. And every, you know, this, every single body is so bio-individual, what might be amazing for you could be poison for me. And so this is why uh, intuitive eating and really learning to listen to the body is so powerful is because your body is the best computer that you will ever have. It will tell you exactly what it needs to feel nourished. But most of us, again, are, are, are living in that disconnection where we're operating out of our minds. And so we're not actually learning how to nourish our bodies, um, by them telling us what they need. Mm-hmm. I, um, I'm smiling and nodding as you can probably tell <laughs> as you're speaking of our listeners can't tell that, but I am because when you're talking about this idea of being in our minds rather than in our bodies, that is actually a conversation that I have with clients, usually at least on a one's daily basis. And if any of my, you know, current or past clients are listening, they know that's a very common theme that we cover in our work together, especially in the beginning months of our work together, because most individuals come to a dietitian or come to a health professional, come to someone like yourself, because they have likely realized, well, let me clarify. They come to a non-diet dietitian. Yes. Non-diet or anti-diet, as you said earlier, but, um, they come to us because maybe they have realized amongst, you know, many other reasons as well, but they've realized I have gotten to a point in my relationship with eating, with food, with fueling my body that, I am disconnected from my body's cues because for so long I have been making food related decisions based Mm -hmm. off of a rule, a should, like you said a moment ago. And because of that, that's kind of fueling the fire of distrust between me and my body. And, um, I think that's poisonous, (laughs) toxic in a way, because, um, that really serves to erode, this sense of trust in our body that we were born with, right. It can be disrupted over years and years of dieting of trauma of illness, whatever it might be, but there was that sense of connection and trust very early on. Right. If we look Mm -hmm. at any infant, right. They cry when they're hungry. They know how to get their caregivers attention to say, Hey, I need nourishment. I need fuel. And I just think it's so unfortunate amongst other adjectives as well, that that, you know, bond of trust is broken over time. But one thing that I wanted to revisit when we're kind of on this topic of being in the mind instead of in the body and how to come back to the body or how to come home to the body, like you say, um, I'm wondering if maybe some of our listeners are like, kind of like I was saying earlier, you know, great idea. I love that. 
how does that happen? And I know you mentioned a couple of tools earlier, but one that I cover a lot with clients and I'd love to hear your thoughts and maybe you can elaborate a little bit more, but it's this idea of approaching with curiosity, not judgment. You even hinted at this a little bit earlier when you were uh, encouraging people to just question where did that idea come from? Or where did that thought come from? I do a lot of work with clients around, you know, all things food and body, but specifically related to food, you know, where did that food rule come from? Or where did we learn that? Or what evidence do we have to support that? Right. And I find that planting that seed of curiosity and just asking why, rather than coming at it from an angle of like, I shouldn't be thinking this or I'm bad for having this thought. I find the curious approach to be much more helpful. So um, any thoughts on that? Or is that a a similar approach to what you would take as well? Always, always curiosity. I love that you said that. I think curiosity is the key to any kind of transformation in our lives. And, And curiosity, like you said, it really is a stepping back and looking as an observer and with non-judgment saying, Hmm, what do I think about that? Right. So it is this stepping back. How I, how I visualize it sometimes um, with my clients is, is in a moment where you're feeling judgment, right? Imagine yourself taking one step back from the situation and now looking at it as an objective uh, observer, you're Mm -hmm. now looking at it. And then you can say, interesting. It's interesting that I'm judging myself for eating that cookie. Hmm. Interesting. Does it feel good when I judge myself? doesn't actually feel that good, right? So what would it look like to not judge myself? Well, maybe I would eat the cookie and enjoy the cookie, right? And so then you can you can follow the curiosity because the curiosity will always lead you to uh, to a place of truth if you allow it to, right? Because curiosity, it is it's like a child. Any child with curiosity, they're gonna find wonder and they're gonna find, um, you, you know, that kid that sits in the back seat that's like, why, 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 why? And, and, and in, a, in a little bit of uh, ways, we need to be like that with ourselves, um, especially if we want to change, if we want to see any kind of transformation in our relationship with our body or just in general, having that spirit of curiosity and stepping back and being like, why? Huh? And, and I really like, I really like the phrase interesting. It's helpful for me. Mm-hmm. So I say that to myself all the time. Hmm, interesting. You were really, really, uh, you felt really, really embarrassed in that situation. That's interesting. Let's think about why, right? Um, I know interesting can be loaded in other contexts, but for me, it's a helpful word. So Mm -hmm. finding this way or this ability to kind of take that step back in life and say, huh, I wonder about that. Interesting to use your word. (laughs) No, I, uh, that's that's also one of the words, again, any of my past or current clients who are listening, they're like, oh my gosh, that is (laughs) one of the words that Claire probably says to me 10 times. And I say that in a curious, I'm curious, or I'm wondering, or, you know, I invite you to think about this. I find all of that language to be so much more inviting and, and warm and welcoming than like, shouldn't be thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. And you know, yeah. it's, so, it's so interesting that you said that about the language because, uh, yesterday my husband and I were, we did a video about emotional safety. And when we think about emotional safety, what it really is, is, is just that it's a space where you feel safe to show up emotionally. And I think with the body, um, and with these kinds of conversations that we have around the body or towards our body, there has to be safety, right? Mm-hmm. There has to be 
emotional safety so that you can enter in and show up vulnerable, vulnerably. And in being vulnerable, that's when we create connection, right? Uh, I think it's Brene Brown who says vulnerability is the gateway to connection. Like all of us are longing to feel seen, heard, and known, and our bodies are longing to feel seen, heard, and known. And so if we want to create that connective experience with our body, there has to be a space where we can show up vulnerably. And in order to show vulnerably, we've got to feel emotionally safe. And how do we create emotional safety? By using inviting language, right? Mm -hmm. So using this language that invites us in as opposed to tells us, shames us, judges us, whatever it might be. Yeah. And I would even argue going back to what we were saying earlier about being in the body rather than in the mind. Like when I think of language that is inviting and welcoming, it opens up more of a space to kind of connect to the body. Whereas language that isn't inviting or welcoming, but it's rooted in a lot of shame or guilt or judgment that puts us more into like the mind, you know, Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have done that. Or this person's judging me for that, or they're going to get angry with me, which takes us, takes us out of the body. And, um, this is a, a total side note, but since we're both people who do this in providers. And I I have a a decent number of um, other dietitians and other health professionals who listen to the podcast, but I think what you just said about creating emotional safety or creating a space where we can show up and explore and be honest in these conversations, like it's just a really important reminder of the importance for providers. I mean, all humans in general, but especially people working with other humans in this space to be really thoughtful about your language, because it is really, really uh, easy. And it can happen very quickly if we break trust or break rapport with another human, because we use language that wasn't inviting, that wasn't welcoming. So I don't know, that just really stood out to me as a provider, as a powerful reminder of how we need to be thoughtful in the language that we're using, not only in sessions, but in groups and in, you know, larger social media content and on this forum as well, because words matter and words have an impact as I know, you know, (laughs) yes, absolutely. It's so true. Yeah. Well, um, I can honestly talk to you all day long about all the things that I, I know we've uh, touched on a couple of different topics and categories of thought, but anything else that you want to add or maybe leave our listeners with before we plug where people can find you and how to get more information? Mm, Yeah, absolutely. I think one final thought that I have that I always love to share is that um, I, when, when I started my healing journey with my body, I had this very uh, beautiful internal voice say to me, be kind to yourself. And it stuck with me because it, it was something that I hadn't even questioned. I didn't even know that I wasn't being kind to myself. And so what I tell all of my clients and every woman that I work with is be kind to yourself, be so gentle with yourself. We're really, really taught to think that by being hard on ourselves and being unkind is going to change something for us. But being kind has never once ever helped someone or being unkind has never once helped someone change. And Mm -hmm. it's through kindness and compassion and tenderness that we see transformation happen. So as much as you can practice kindness towards yourself. Mic drop. (laughs) 
I would drop it on the floor, but I don't want to break it. But um, I love that so much. And I think that's a a really great note to end on. So before we officially wrap up, like I hinted at a moment ago, where can people find you, connect with you, and you can feel free to plug anything that you're working on that you might want us to be aware of? Yeah, absolutely. So I do take um, one-on-one coaching clients uh, and most of my clients were working on dating and body. So um, that's really fun. And then I have a group program called Embody Circles where we, it's a group of eight women and our next one will start um, in June at some point. We're in currently in session. And that's a really powerful experience to, to heal in, in community and to be with other women as you go through this process of healing. And then um, I would love to connect with anybody on Instagram. So my Instagram is by Kara Elise. And you can find any information you need at my website, which is just by karaelise.com. Easy to remember. Just your name. That's my name. (laughs) Well, Kara, it has been wonderful having the opportunity, if you will, (laughs) to connect with you. Um, That is all that we have for today here on the Yours Truly podcast. So we are going to go ahead and sign off. So we'll say Yours Truly, Claire and Kara. And that is a wrap for episode 138 here on the Yours Truly podcast. Thank you you, our listeners, for joining Kara and I for today's conversation. As always, if you got anything of value out of today's episode or anything else that we ever share here on the podcast, it would mean the world to me if you could tap those five stars and leave a review as well. Your support helps more than you know, and it really helps the podcast to grow. Look at that rhyme. Uh, You can do that if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, but if you are listening elsewhere, maybe somewhere like Spotify or SoundCloud, you can always share by taking a screenshot, maybe uploading it or sharing on your social platform of choice. Always be sure to give me a tag at Claire Tuning so I can see you. I can send you a personalized thank you for listening and we can celebrate yet another episode. But until next week, I hope you have a safe and wonderful remainder of your week and weekend ahead, and I will see you back here next Wednesday.